Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Pastor Maxwell again for another edition of Bring the Smoke. And I got my dude over here, Dr. Antipas Harris, man. The smartest Negro I know, man. Probably the smartest Negro on the planet, to be honest. But look, so that he's so smart, I'm not gonna even run this show. He gonna interview me, man, because there ain't no sense of having this great mind over here and I use my little feeble mind. We just gonna let him run the show today. Dr. Maxwell is full of it. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all already know that, though, right? <laughs> it's such a delight to, to have the conversation with Dr. Maxwell. Um, I Narrativity is what I call my podcast because uh, I like to hear stories. And it's nothing like hearing this, what makes a person tick, right? It's one thing to see what they do. The question is how they think. And what, how do they arrive at the conclusions that they arrive at? And Dr. Maxwell, such an extraordinary person, great pastor, and he's a great teacher, great leader, and great businessman. And I really am intrigued by the work that he does in real estate space. And, and there's so much uh, clamor and conversation around the discussion of affordable housing and, um, and what that means for the poor or the working poor or for even the middle class these days. There are certain places that people, teachers and lawyers and doctors can live because they can't afford it. The, the housing prices are going higher and higher and higher. So I have a deep interest in this concept of financializing housing and the question about uh, the right to housing, right? Uh, is housing a human right? As you know, I work with the homeless yes. um, and helping them get jobs. And many of them have jobs, but they can't even afford a place to live or a place to rent. Um, and then there are folks who are working their fingers to the bones every day, professional. They have uh, college degrees and a lot of student debt, and they can't afford housing. You've done a lot in that space. Can you talk a little bit about what you see and um, what draws you to uh, this issue of housing? Wow, man. What draws me is, first of all, you know, I used to be the NAACP president for Newport News and just always dealing with issues of, 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 of our people. And one of the main ones was, as far as them coming to me, sometimes was housing. Yeah. And so we do have a housing apartment that helps individuals uh, with housing, most of when it's working out stuff like slum lords and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to take it to another level to make sure we empower them to purchase houses. Yeah. Because actually, we own the same percentage, the same percentage of African Americans that own houses in 1968 is this exact percentage that we own now. Because back in 2008, I say at David Copperfield, we got a black president, but they moved a whole bunch of stuff out of our hand because a lot of times, African-Americans and black people won't speak on problems in America or about an organization if a black person is in power. Mm -hmm. Obama was in power. Predatory lending was on at an all-time high. People would get loans for like five years and then a balloon note would come. Yeah. And they would have to pay off everything or refinance it or lose their home. And most of the people didn't understand what a balloon note was. And yeah. so what, what happened is people would put down 15%. Like way more than you would put down if you had good credit. They put down 50%, 15%, 20%, and then they're paying on this mortgage all the way up for five years, and all of a sudden this note is due. Mm -hmm. And so now, if they can't refinance it within that 30 days or get cash within that 30 days, 
the house gets foreclosed and then the bank has 20% equity in the house. So all they're going to do is sell it to somebody else. They yeah. didn't lose anything, yeah. but people lost the home. And so my thing is educating people on finances, making sure you teach them, hey, man, you got to read this contract. Get somebody to look over this contract. Yeah. Call Maxwell Realtor. We'll help you walk you through it because you don't pay. A lot of people will go out and look for homes and not even use an agent. You don't even have to pay an agent, not especially not in the South. Your agent represents you and you don't pay them anything. They get paid by the seller. And what happens is someone will have a listing, uh, the listing agent. So say if I have a listing, Max, we have a listing. We, we're selling for, and we get 6% commission. Well, if, if Dr. Harris Realty comes in, Maxwell Realty gets 3%, but we make sure you get 3% because of the co-op sale. But a lot of times people will go out and try to work on their own. And then if you represent the seller, they're not worried about you. They're trying to make sure they take care of the seller. Mm -hmm. The new subdivision definitely worried about the seller, worried about the builder. And a lot of times you when, when a, a, a buyer's agent would have been uh, trying to get you closing costs, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get some of those fees down, if they're trying to make sure they get you a home warranty, things of that nature, something you probably wouldn't ask for, you miss it because you don't have any representation. So I would always advise people, if you want to look for a home, you don't have to call Maxwell Realty. You should. <laughs> but you really need an agent because that's who's that's going to represent you and get things done that you don't even understand that you need. That's really good. Uh, but, you know, what's interesting is that when you talk about, you know, purchasing homes and so forth, Qualifying for the mortgage, mm -hmm. right, is an issue. Yes. Um, and credit scores, for example. And a lot of people don't know that you can actually fix your credit. Yes. And it's, yes, you got to pay your bills, but sometimes uh, people you paid off keep reporting to uh, the credit bureau, which keeps the burden on the credit score. Yes. And you can actually get that. Talk a little bit about right. uh, yes. re, uh, rescoring. Yes. And, um, well, um, some people even have companies that clean your credit, but I would tell you how to clean it yourself. First of all, I would talk to a, a loan officer first if you want to get a home and then let them pull your credit and they'll let you know what you need to pay off. Mm -hmm. Because what the first thing you need to pay off is a credit card, a pay on on time. Credit card is the easiest way to build your credit and the easiest way to tear it down. Mm -hmm. Your card note, if you pay 30 days late, 45 days late, they may report it. They may not. Credit cards, they're going to report it. The day you pay it, they're going to report it. The day you don't pay it late, they're going to report it. And that's what caused your credit score to go up or down rapidly because credit cards do not play. Mm -hmm. You want to, to help build up your score. I'm not saying I'm not encouraging debt, but what I'm saying is get a credit card, whatever limit you can get. Buy your groceries with it. Whatever bills you can pay on it that allow you to pay with a credit card, pay it and pay it off at the end of the month. So you can continue to show that you're able to use credit and then pay it off. Mm -hmm. So that builds your credit. The reason why I say talk to a loan officer is because you may pay off something that may not raise your credit as fast. Mm -hmm. So if you got medical bills, don't get mad at me, Emory or whoever hospital, <laughs> mm -hmm. but don't pay it off first because that's something you had to have. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't take your credit down as much because that's a necessity, right? Right. So when you when you don't pay a medical bill, they say, you know what? You had an accident. You had to get that bill because you were hurt. Right. So there's no way to avoid it. Right. Now, if you go charge all this money up on you get some new weave or a hair mm -hmm. or, some, or a suit, you don't need that. So when you don't pay that off, that caused your credit to go down rapidly. Right. So they'll let you know, hey, pay your credit cards off. Make sure you pay your 
um, car note and things of that nature. Because yeah. those will will cause your credit to go down yeah. or up the most. And so you that's that's what you you definitely want to make sure that you talk to a loan officer because again you don't want to pay off stuff you shouldn't have you don't need to pay off in order to get a house. Not saying don't pay your bills, but I'm saying certain things you need to pay off first. Priority, right? Priority, right? That's going to help. And strategy, you. really. Yes, it's exactly. Exactly. See how you bring the words yeah. in and make me sound smarter. <laughs> Edit that and make me say strategy. <laughs> yeah, there's a strategy that you need. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's all it is, and they will help you with that strategy because if your main goal that's to buy a home, you want to make sure you don't have that much money apparently because you're not paying a lot of your bills, but you want to know what bills to prioritize first to build your credit up the most. Fantastic. Now, I want to I want to switch a little bit and talk mm-hmm. a little bit about um, sort of the big picture of financializing mm-hmm. uh, housing, right? Yes. So, I'm, I mean, you know, Blackstone. Yes. Big corporations that have all these shell companies that yes. go into the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and they um, are are buying up all these houses. Yes. Different, it's a form of gentrification, yes. right? Where they go in and they buy up. They these folks, uh, big corporations like that, make so much money. They're the richest corporation in the United States. Yes, and I've noticed that my organization, the Urban Renewal Center, did some research and noticed that they go into neighborhoods, especially urban communities, and they buy up all these houses, but they buy them through shell corporations. So when you pay um, for rent, right, you think you're paying a management company, but you, the money is really going up to um, Blackstone is yes. a big one. Right? Yes. So um, talk about sort of um, the ethical um, dilemma behind that. Because on the one hand, you want to be able to, we live in a free market, right? On the other hand, people are abusing wow. uh, uh, capitalism. And talk a little bit about how you feel about well, that. I feel that it's really hurting the first-time home buyer um, because a lot of times, first-time home. When I bought my first house, I mean, it was three-bedroom, eighteen, nineteen hundred square feet. Man, yeah. I bought that house for ninety five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Man, that house probably cost two hundred something thousand dollars now. Mm-hmm. Ninety five thousand dollars. Of course, price go up. But what I'm saying is now to get a home, you still can get something for a hundred thousand dollars, hundred twenty thousand dollars, hundred thirty thousand, two hundred thousand. But a lot of investors, mm-hmm. a lot of people like um, the Blackstone. They're buying them up because they can get them at a cheap price. Mm-hmm. It's not cheap to somebody who's a first-time home buyer, yeah. but it's cheap to them. And what they're doing, they're airbnb them. Yep. They're, uh, they're making them homes for maybe when they have executives come in and out of town. Instead of paying the hotel, they put them in there. Mm-hmm. And that's really putting it in a situation where it's a real big competition between investors the big companies that are investors as well and the first time home buyer. So it's unfair, but what I do, I can't help everybody, but what I do, I partner with HR Cap. Mm-hmm. I partner with InTouch, mm-hmm. um, my nonprofit. I partner with Peninsula Community Development Corporation. I partner with these organizations. And what we do is we go in neighborhoods, mm-hmm. we buy homes, mm-hmm. we fix them up. And we sell them to first-time home buyers. Oh, we don't sell them. Bing, bing, right. bing. So we don't. We, right. So you, so you keep the cost low, so right. that people when you exactly. Pay. But how does that work with the because um, uh, nowadays uh, construction is so high, right? It is especially coming out of COVID. Right. Uh, so how do you keep the cost low 
once you fix these houses up. Wow, that's a great question. Cause I, he, 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 you saw that film. Well, well you the one that film with me or with that Justin, man. So I was talking about this, this man. I was with this contractor, and this contractor was trying to get me to do all this stuff to this house. Yeah. And what I tell people is, put them the least amount of money you need to mm -hmm. make sure you build the house up. Mm -hmm. Now, don't cut any corners on wiring and electricity because you want the house to be safe. But it's because lumber has gone up, but you can do some things that you don't have to mm -hmm. be extravagant. You can put laminate floors down or carpet instead of trying to put hard wood. You, yeah, know right, right. you can you can you can paint the house, you know, with 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 a brand of course that's going to be good but you don't have to be extravagant with it you understand yeah, yeah. a lot of time where people go in they'll try to do all these extravagant things first thing you got to do is find you a great contractor that's yeah. not going to try to beat you in the head yeah and when you start using them a lot of different times like so if i'm, I'm using this one guy for 30th street 17th street and it's the Fox Hill house. So I have three different houses that he's fixing on right now yeah. that I bought personally. But he's giving me a break because he's doing the floors and all of them. So he's, you know, he's he's able to get my cost down because I'm really using him as bulk. Mm -hmm. You understand? Now, you can't do that and buy a lot of houses at the same time. What you can do is pull people together and you all buy and you all use the same contract. And when you use him in volume, he know y'all working together, even if y'all not buying the same house. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, because you're using him with volumes or using her with volumes, then you're able to get that cost down. You understand? Mm -hmm. But case in point, we we buy we buying a home. We um we uh we had to redo the whole foundation. Mm. I mean, it's it's crazy. I got a post out now, and what we're doing is it's gonna. I bought that house for fifty eight thousand dollars. You we talked about this. The CV lost people, I ended up letting them rent the home. Oh, yeah, yeah. You did I let them that. rent the home because they had been put out because the house, the the, the apartment was going to be condemned. But yeah. then once the city realized they couldn't, they couldn't, the city, you're right. Man, you said it on the show. And you said, ah, something going on in the background. So actually the city was trying to get the building, but because the way the building was deeded, you had to have a certain percentage of low economic people in the building oh. and because they couldn't make the whole thing luxurious they let it go they couldn't make the whole thing luxury mm -hmm. so they let it go and so they didn't condemn it right wow and so now some people are still in there some people not but they threw a lot of the people's stuff away and they're selling stuff now giving is people... the facility for sale it's not for sale they letting the people just stay in there who owns it uh the same people from uh new, new york jersey, or new jersey, new jersey. right yeah. So you think they'll sell it? I think they, yeah, I think they are about to sell it now. Who they gonna sell it to? I don't know who they gonna sell it to because the people they wanted to sell it to, they don't want it because they don't want not one poor person in there. Well, see, because it got it's it's like a mixed neighborhood community. But there's an opportunity for the church, man. There's an opportunity for faith based or faith business people go in and buy it, and you can make that work. But see that that see that's another thing. You got to calculate the cost. That's too much for me. That's too much. I wouldn't put in my church in that but a situation. Group, but a group of people, right? I yeah, mean, that I stuff got asbestos. That stuff. It's I can save who I can save, but I know who I can't save. Oh, I see. You know what I'm saying I can't. I mean, if you yeah, if you got a whole bunch of rich churches together, yeah, you know what? That probably could work. But then we can keep doing these houses we doing. We can go still find these other buildings that we can get. And sometimes. It does sound good to do the CV loss and have that story, but to look at the cost of what it would take to get that house, yeah. to get that up to par, 
it just doesn't make sense to me with number wise. Yeah. So we we buying quadruplex, we buy in duplexes, and we're trying to buy um, some apartment buildings now, trying to find out which ones are for sale. But that one, because of the amount of work that needs to be done, I just don't think it's something I would want to put my resource into. into. No, I see, I see. Now, here's my question, though. Uh, Are there many opportunity zones in Newport News? Yes, Newport News is an at-risk city. Yeah, So, but this facility is not in an opportunity zone. I believe it is an opportunity See, zone. See that because if it's an opportunity zone, that opens up a new opportunity for that. No pun intended. Go ahead, I'm listening. But but the opportunity zone uh, creates um, a, an opportunity to revitalize with resources available. That's beyond sort of what's coming out of your pocket. You right? know what? I may need to call you, brother Alan Tanner. We'll be talking <laughs> after this show. Yeah, um, you have all the money. I, opportunity zone. Yes, we'll look um, at that. And then speaking of opportunity zone. I think there's such so much of an opportunity with opportunity zones. But what I'm also seeing across the country is there are a lot of millionaires, especially African-American millionaires, that are going into these opportunity zones and in some ways financializing on them, right? Yeah. Um, some of them that I'm aware of don't even have affordable housing on them because it creates an opportunity for African-Americans to go in right. with programs and investors and things like that to get the work done in the name of an African-American person but that African-American person just become richer on the opportunity zone, which is not necessarily, that's not what it was meant for. It was meant to create new businesses, clean up um, distressed communities, and put the um, opportunity into the hands of the people. Um, you know, people have businesses going in there, some have arenas, um, but some of them don't have affordable housing. So I wonder if there's an opportunity to think about what would, uh, an opportunity zone revitalization project look like that has a few businesses that can create affordable housing, a mixed income housing. Um, just dreaming. Man, you may be stretching me on this one. He's, he's stretching me. <laughs> the student has become the teacher. Because I saw, I, just, I looked at it like, man, it's so big, but you're right. If you just take it one by at a time, and I'm looking at, okay, I buy this house, I buy this these several houses yeah. and maybe get this apartment building, but you know what? How many people would we be able to help if we would have bought it and not just do it as apartments, but change them into condos and don't charge so much for those homeowner association fees? Yeah. But I think another reason why I probably didn't look at it because my mind hadn't been stimulated by the great Dr. Antipas Harris um, <laughs> is I was looking at I don't like keeping people in rental situations. Even when people I rent to, I always try to give them an opportunity to buy the home. Like the home yeah, I'm renting I like to them, that. I'm selling the home to them for $40,000 below market value. I'm selling the house for 160000 when I know I can sell it for 200000 But mm-hmm. my thing is, that's what God told me to do. Now, sometimes God, I love you, but he irritates me. But it's his money. You yeah. got to understand you a steward of his money. Yeah. And it's his money. And I got to keep saying, I'm saying it to myself. <laughs> so he told me to fix it up. And I'm putting them in there. I'm selling it for 160000 I'm making a little bit of money, but I'm not making what I could make right, right. because I want to make sure I give them an opportunity. And so that's how I believe that when God blesses you with something, you need to learn how to give back. Mm-hmm. Now, they qualify because this guy, he didn't have a checking account. Oh, wow. He was paying me with cash. I said, wow. man, I could steal your money and just say you didn't pay me, man. You need to, you need to get a checking account. Then he, I said, at least a money order. Then he went and got a money order. He owed it to me, so it felt kind of funny telling him this. Mm. And then now he got a checking account. Mr. Master, I got a checking account. So now he has a checking account. So now we made sure he saved up money because you have to have at least 10% 
in so if you have a house that's going to cost you one hundred and fifty thousand, mm-hmm. you need to have fifteen hundred dollars in your account at least for a month. Thirty days money needs to be vetted. So somebody I don't know who <laughs> made sure fifteen hundred dollars in their account because you're a real estate person, you can't really do that. But mm-hmm. we might have to edit this part. But anyway, somebody gave him fifteen hundred dollars, and so we made sure that we vetted it. And so he got a hundred more dollars in there. So we sent it to him for one sixty. So now he has enough. So we had to get the money in his account uh uh April the first. So now we were able to write the contract because he, now in May first, because now he has enough he had enough money in there for 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 a month. And so my thing is you get these black businesses or these people together that have a heart to help the people. You still can make money. You may not make as money as, as much as you could make and as you want to make when you're helping people sometimes, but at least we empower them. So now he has a checking account. Now he's qualified $250,000, mm-hmm. but I know that's going to be a big jump. He only been paying me $700. Mm-hmm. So if he get a $250,000 note, he's going to be paying like 2000 because the rate is like 8% now. Mm-hmm. So he'll be paying like $2,000 says, you know what, let me figure out how I can keep his note like $1,100 or less. And I talked to the loan person, one six, I said, you know what, I can work this out. I can, I can, hey, fix this, fix this. Now he wants some certain things on the house, like an awning on there, but it's going to cost a little bit more. And my thing is sometimes you got to let people know you can't have this because you don't want your debt ratios to be a certain amount. And this is what you, you said you didn't want. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and certain things I can't pay for that ma- that doesn't make sense. It makes sense for me to get the foundation together. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for me to get the wiring together. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for me to put windows in there so it can be insulated. It makes sense to make me get some more insulation in there. But it don't make sense. I know you like the awning, but it don't make enough sense for yeah. me to put money in that when it may put you over the amount you want to pay. Now, you know, of course, I have a discussion with him and say, look, if you want me to add it to the house, I can. But I know you said you didn't want to go above this amount with your house note. So that's why I decided not to put it on there. Uh, so anyway, long story short, um, I'm, I'm definitely going to look at the CBU loss with that because if we can make them into condos, I always want to empower people to buy. Yeah, see, that's another. I love that because home ownership is is key in helping people to yes. buy, uh, yes. even if it's some kind of program that you can create. Because yes. there's got to be some grant programs that, yes. can, especially if that's an opportunity zone. Man, we're gonna. Uh, that I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna make sure it is, but it's 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 definitely in the hood. So. But but also <laughs> think about. Um, um, like Black Brand, for example, they help entrepreneurs. Man, I got to teach for them one time. Really? I love it, man. I yeah. got to teach yeah. for them. Oh, man. they're, they're, they're doing awesome. a great thing. Yeah. And they're trying to have different programs to help people who are trying to start up businesses. It'd be great if we could get some businesses going in there to create a, a model where it can be a little uh, village of people learning to, you know, gaining ownership, people starting businesses. You know, because our community is the only community um, who doesn't really own the businesses that we patronize the most. Like, we, hair we. Why are we on the same nails, thing? Nails. Sorry, black women, but my goodness, we're on the same I'm thing. Like, why, why every neighborhood I've been to, Ferguson, got I've, black been Atlanta, people I've been to everywhere, it's like we don't own the very product that Dude. we that only Atlanta, we gonna use. Atlanta <laughs> has I mean, the biggest warehouse of wigs and weave that you will ever see in your life indicator. 
Yeah. Now I love. I was on the plane with some with some with an esthetician. She owned all. I said, "Oh, I'm so happy that you got the yes. business because that what she can do. Um, you know, eyelashes. Breathe, they put all that stuff on the eyes and all that. The eye, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was some, that's a good business. But if we can do the nails and um, barber shops, I mean, those things have great potential for huge success when we move beyond the sort of mom and pop approach to something that's more established business um, and helping people Man, move you up got my way. mind moving. I'm going to see if that's an opportunity, yeah. Joe. And I know yeah. when my people over there, hey, uh, Blue Chip, I'm coming to ask y'all some questions because one thing, Blue Chip, real, she's a, yeah. uh, a minority a real estate yeah. owner and she always making sure her office and things are in the opportunity zone. So she, yeah. she, I'm sure she'll know if it's there or not. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to have to connect with her. Um, to get on, man, you, 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 man, you raising my, my mindset, man. Cause I was like, look, that's, I looked at that CB yeah. laws. I said, you know what? Just going through the building, it just looked like too much work for me, but well, you're right. You create a, I, again, I haven't seen it. So man. all this is going on in my head. Is there a space in there? I mean, it may have to take some reconstruction, um, to create little businesses in there man, that, can, that can, some people can't say names, live over there. And it's some of those apartments that's luxurious. I don't want to get into it, but I get into it off camera and let you know. But it's some people over there that's there, and so that's why some of the residents were mad because actually the gentleman that's buying the house actually works there mm-hmm. and he cleans up there, mm-hmm. and so he would see certain people in there and like, man, why they ain't fix our stuff up? Because he goes <laughs> to the top floor, they got meetings and everything, and it's nice up there. But then we live in like we don't have nowhere, yeah. like we homeless or something. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, like I say, it's a sticky situation, but off camera, I'll let you know. Um, I know y'all going to have comments, you know, it's, some of y'all doing stuff and you don't want nobody in your bed. I'm not going to put anybody out there like that. So, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, um, it there, there are a few people that live over there and they have them luxurious. And like I said, the reason why the city really didn't get all the way into it is because they realized that they couldn't, 100% make it luxury apartments. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, if there's a way that we as African Americans can become, uh, can really come together and and buy stuff in the private sector to help the community, I understand the place of government and the need for government to invest in all these programs. But to be honest, I think that there is an opportunity for African Americans to work together to be to build our own thing. Now it's not equal, right? But I think we have enough. I mean, look at the Jewish community. Look what they're doing. Yes. Um, and because they they work together and they they figure out a way to to make things work together, then next thing you know. So I'm thinking if we only talk about housing, but what about talking about entrepreneurship and housing? Man. And trying to bring those two worlds together um, that can, I think if we create economic mobility, economic empowerment, and it can stimulate, um, it can stimulate the economy. And the black dollar would gain Man. even more power. Let, let me tell you something. We talked about this on the last show. Um, pastor McCaleb used to be the pastor of Green Forest mm-hmm. Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, Decatur, right. Georgia. And he pulled all these churches together to start a bank, a credit union. Oh, wow. 
uh, I don't even I don't think it exists anymore, but it was it it empowered our people like yeah. no other. Yeah. It was this gentleman, I was a lifeguard, and even then people would just talk to me. I'm like 20 something years old. This guy was like 40. He telling me how he wanted to get a car, he needed to get his life together, his credit not good. You know, he swim his lap then just sit there and just like I was the Pope or something. Like he was yeah. in a confession. And Pastor Michaela pulled church together, green pastures, green forest, new birth. Ray of Hope, other churches around that area, and they pulled that money together and put a bank together. Oh, wow. That's good. This man, he would drive with the truck top down, stop. Maxwell, Maxwell, I got the car. What? Man, your pastor, the bad man, I went and he let me get, I got a loan, and he had a car. Then he eventually got a house. Mm-hmm. But they knew his credit wasn't good, but the whole reason was to start the bank mm-hmm. was to give people opportunities that had yeah. not had opportunities mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And so that was a powerful thing. And, and the amazing thing was his pride. He was able to swallow his pride, my pastor, because Newberg ended up dropping $2 million in the bank. And even though he started, he said, so he was so upset at our church. He was like, man, man, y'all didn't put hardly no money in here as much as the other church. He's like, so you know whoever put the most money in there owned the bank. So they always had, like, we had the president of the bank for some time, but then, you know, Newberg ended up, having a president as well. But you know, when you own more shares, you own, you know, yeah. more more so he was hot. But the thing about it was he didn't just tear the bank down mm-hmm. because he didn't have the majority control, mm-hmm. but he still had it in the community. And then when he died and that vision began to leave and everybody became so individualistic, um, it ended up, I think, being dissolved like maybe two thousand fifteen or so. Um, I think about five, six years it hasn't been in existence, but like you said, pulling that together, they were able to get loans. Like how many people mm-hmm. aren't able to get loans? See me, sometimes I finance people. I don't really say it that loud because mm-hmm. I don't really like doing it, but I give them an interest rate in which they can be able to survive. Cause right now, you know, when I bought my house, the rate was 7%, but then it went to 3.5 later, but now it's back up mm-hmm. to eight. You understand? Mm-hmm. So now people that could qualify for certain houses are being priced out. And to me, it's just a game of making the rich richer and the poor poorer because, you know, I mean, the, the, the way they play with this interest rate is irritating me when it comes to people and empowering them to buy houses. Mm-hmm. Like we have some people that were in the middle of getting a loan and the interest rate went up and it wasn't locked in because we couldn't get it locked in. And they ended up not being able to qualify. So I bought the house and I'm owning financing. I just bought it with cash. And then, you know, I'm I'm on a finance and then I put them at a rate of five percent or whatnot. And so now they're able so I'm able to empower them because of the way God blessed me. But I can't do that for everybody. That's why I partner with HR Cap, PCDC. So look, I love y'all. Thank y'all for that lifetime real estate visionary award. But I'm gonna need y'all to step up and buy some more houses because I can't do it by myself. And I appreciate the award, but I need y'all to you know, trust me and do what it is you need to do. I hate to be putting you out there like that, but these people are hurting and I'm not, I don't have infinite wealth, but I know you have more wealth than I have it. But if you're an organization and I can step out here as an individual, I know you can step out here as an organization. I love you all so much. I appreciate you. You all doing a great job with the house that you did buy, but I need you to help. Dr. Anderson Harris has me. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put you out there, but we have to empower our people to buy these homes. And the only way we can do it is if you continue to buy and other people continue to buy, we begin to take it out of the hands of these big organizations that are just buying up these neighborhoods, pricing people out and causing them to be forever renters. And when you're a renter, what you can't do 
I can say, which has happened to one of my people. I told them when they rent, the, the daughter couldn't find a house and she got married. And so what they did was they gave my people, my friend, 30 days to get out the house. Mm -hmm. And so well, they gave them 60 days, but they had to leave because they want their daughter to be in that house. And you can always, you can break the lease at any time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just got to get 30 days notice if you a renter and you got to get 60 day notice if you the landlord. But at the end of the day, you're not protected like you're protected when you have a mortgage payment and you own a house. You don't have to leave as long as you pay. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like when I just see so many people renting when I want them to be empowered to purchase because the equity builds up. You know, when I when my note, I felt like my my Lexus note was too high and I felt like they gave me a high interest rate. So what I did, I went when I when I was like 23, 24 years old, I went and got a, a home equity line of credit on my house, paid that off. My truck was able to write off because I used a lot of my business then was able to write off the interest rate because it's a house interest rate. You can write that off. You can't write off certain car interest, but I can write off my home interest and then it's 15 years instead of five years to pay off so my note instead of 700 dollars a month it was 215 dollars you understand so at the end of the day i use my house to leverage and get a car that i wanted and what i would tell you this the advice i would give you is if you if it's a choice between a house and a car buy the house first because the house gonna make it easy for you to get the car you might not be able to do the equity line but if you got a house they're gonna give you a car you understand? Because at the end of the day, they know you have home ownership and you got power. Now, if you buy a car, it might mess up your debt ratios to get the house. So get the house first because the house shows that you stable and you have enough financial wherewithal to be able to understand that it's better to own a house. You understand? Hmm. So that's 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 this game I'm giving you. The, the, the loan person, even though your debt ratios may be higher because you bought a house, the Lexus dealer, the Honda dealer going to look at you like, oh, they own a house. Hey, we got to get them a loan. We don't have to, but boom. But if you got a car and you don't have a house, that might mess up your debt ratios. It's, it's funny. So you buy one, you might not be able to get the other one if it's a car, but always with a house, man. They just, that just, they just puts you in a whole nother class of, 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 of credit. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you're like me, I had a house. And I sold the house when when the market was good oh, to dude, sell. That's that smart. Well, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. But the problem is now you don't want to go buy another house. No. Nah. Because it's <laughs> so I'm waiting till the market mill out a little bit because even now a friend of mine, he put his house, his house, he said the house just like his house sold for like, I think he said six hundred and fifty thousand. He put his on the market for four hundred and twenty thousand to create a bidding war. Right. But yeah. but he did that knowing that he's not going to sell the house for four hundred. Right, he's going to sell five. He's hoping that he gets somebody to offer him seven hundred thousand for the house, so it can outbid higher than the other house. So why would I go out there to buy a house now, right? Because I'm not going to close on it. I mean, they're not going to take my offer if I offer four hundred fifty thousand. Because again, the big guys are going to come in and, yeah. and pay big money. So how do you? How do you navigate the market? Great question. That's the question. Buying houses that cost too much money is not a good idea. Maxwell Realty. <laughs> hey, Maxwell dude, Realty. dude, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> ask, man, especially if you're a kingdom believer, ask Jennifer Brooks. In the midst of the pandemic, when houses were crazy, I said, look, jump on the house. This is your house right here. I feel it. 
I don't know how we got that house. We got that house below market value. When she finally, she looked at the number and said, oh my God, you right, you right, man. That house, she got that house for like, I can't tell a business, but she got the house for at least $50,000 below what she, what the equity that she had in it, man. Is when you touch an agreement and you walk in with that authority, you can find stuff. Me, I well, always do. walk in authority. Yeah, I, I mean, I find you. Dude, well, I but find see, you since we're talking about walking in yeah. authority and all yeah. this, now all the stuff you said, you can walk with authority with me. Yeah, let's go. You can finance it for me because you said you'll finance the house and you can help me get it below market value. Look, he telling me I'm going to finance this one. Look, he's joking. He's, look, he's joking. Hey, it's not like he's walking to his authority. But look, hey, look, look, look. Hey, hey, look at the shoes. Look at the shirt. Now, you know good and well, he ain't trying to get no $100,000 house. You know what I'm saying? I'm financing $100,000, $200,000, $250,000. This joke going to want a $700,000 house. Now, I don't know. We're going to see how much favor the Lord give you and how much blessing the Lord give me. Maybe he's trying to stress me in the name of Jesus. But I know a Dr. Antipas Harris' taste is a little bit more than who I be helping. But hey, <laughs> you stretching me with the CBU law, so let's see what happens, man. Uh, but you know, if I'm finance, I'm definitely going to get it below market value. <laughs> or, or we ain't going to get it. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Dude, but it's, it's but, but man, sometimes it's just divine favor. I told this person, I said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to write a letter about this house. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell these are nice people. They love this house. I need you to write a letter and say why you want this house. Mm -hmm. And they wrote a letter why they wanted the house. They ended up getting the house. And they ended up getting it for less than what other people had offered because they touched on their heart strength. Mm -hmm. Now, it don't work every time. But we wrote a letter and we let sure because it was a believer. It was a church. And we made sure that we kind of touched on their heart. And then they gave us the house for what it is. Um, what we were asking for, and they had multiple offers. And wow. so sometimes you just got to walk in, in, in the spirit. I know, you know, we we reaching more than just church folk, but, man, sometimes God will just tell you exactly what you need to do and walk you in it. Hey, man, what time is it, man? It's about time. To what? Oh, okay, there you go. I'm just 20 minutes late. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, man, sorry that I got them people down there. No, we're good. I got no okay, room for But anyway, man, I know, man, you, this, you the man, man. So, look, first of all, this is what I'm going to do. I'm challenging HR Cap and PCDC to purchase more houses to make sure we empower not just our people but all people, first-time home buyers. I need us to continue to help individuals so we can get these people out of, of renting and empowering to buy homes, right? Yeah. We're going to see about looking at the CV loss to see if it's in an empowerment zone. I'm just putting myself opportunity on check. Zone. Opportunity, yeah, opportunity zone to see if we're able to get some type of funds and help in order to help this particular neighborhood be built up. It's right down. I mean, you could throw a rock and hit the um, city city hall. It's right there wow. by city hall. So hopefully, it is um, an opportunity zone, unless unless you know the water make it. You know, water property be different, so we'll see if they, if, if what 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 the government says about it. But it's a lot of zones, uh, opportunity zones in Newport News, because we are at risk city, man. The whole city, no matter where you are, whether you living in Central, where the rich folk are, whether you in North or South, we're considered an at risk city because of the amount of renters we have. A healthy oh, city has 75, 80 percent home buyers. Yeah, we have 50 percent. 
Yeah. So it's fifty percent renters, fifty percent, and it well, tends to be more crime when it's a rentals instead of when people are empowered. Right, but homes. the bottom line is poverty, man. The yes. bottom line is economic empowerment, education, skills development, job opportunities, access to capital for businesses. Though we need to go there, right? Yes. Housing is one thing, but we need to be able to figure out the schooling situation. Um, there are a lot of issues there, and I'm not sure which one comes first, chicken or the egg. Yeah, right. But I do know that you got to have economic empowerment before you can actually have, uh, you can buy a house. Yeah. So, because what we don't want is what happened with Clinton, right? Everybody, everybody can come borrow money for a house. Yeah. And, and then everybody why, lose that. And that's why I fell out. Because <laughs> NACA, the guy from NACA told him that. They said, look, you need to teach them. If you're not going to have them put money down, yeah. you need to make sure you teach them financial empowerment or they're going to lose these homes. And that's exactly what the guy for NACA was saying. When, and everybody talked about him so bad. Now they're bringing all that stuff back full circle. If you get 100% loan, you have to take these classes. Because the, the reason why it's a risk to have people on Section 8 in your home sometimes if you don't get a deposit. Now, I know they tell us not to get a deposit. But I get a deposit because I feel like if I get a deposit, then you you have put something into this home. Mm -hmm. If the government paying for all of your stuff, you don't feel like it's yours and you just tear it up. Yeah, we need to learn. Um, it's like a, a, in the image of a baby, you know, um, nursing. And eventually you have to wean them off the, the breast yes. milk. Yes. I think that when we think about the government, the government has a place. We all pay taxes. But um, at some point, we got to try to wean away from dependency on, on government uh, subsidies for basic needs um, by helping people to, I call it a hand up, right? Helping them become um, with economic mobility to start standing on their own feet, right? But as long as they're sort of, you can, you can stay there too long, right? Um, while we have these opportunities, um, you know, Section 8 housing and things like that. We got to have a path out. It's the same thing I, I complain about when we talk about homeless, where right? you have a homeless shelter, some in the private sector, but now we have low barrier homeless shelter like in Norfolk. The question is, okay, how are you going to help people move out of that state? Because what we're seeing is people get a job and they start telling people they have an apartment. Say, yeah. where's your apartment? It's down on Tidewater. Yeah. That's what they're going to tell people because they've just set up shop at the shelter. That's their, that's their you know. Um, but how do you help people to become upward mobile economically? Um, that's, I think, what we got to really strategize about. And it's going to take um, creating new jobs, yes. um, skills development, um, helping people understand how to use money and how to make money grow. Definitely, man. Yeah. It's, and I hate to say this. I don't know if I'm going to put this on here now or you go put it on yours. Like the guy that's always trying to push this cannabis. Um uh, it's a young man. He owned a, a flower space, and he also has um, cannabis or the hem or whatever you call those different things. And he said he can pay people fifteen dollars an hour that works for his regular flower shop, but when he does the cannabis, he can pay them twenty five dollars an hour. And not only does he want to help the individuals get jobs, because a lot of times they say you want to sell, but the the money isn't cultivating. And now they didn't move into you know. Because a lot of us went to jail for weed, but they teach you how to cultivate. A lot of us don't need to be learned how to cultivate. No way. It was already cultivated anyway. Mm -hmm. But he teaches them how to cultivate it because that's where, that's where a lot of the money is. And I think a lot of times, as you look at the church, we begin to follow the world. And like they demonize the marijuana when we were selling it and making money. 
Mm-hmm. But now it's full circle, like it's good. Oh, yeah, it's for glaucoma, the youth of it is, the youth of medicine, help your nerves, which they already knew anyway. It's natural. It's from the earth. So at the end of the day, you know, I ain't walking around here smoking weed or nothing because I don't need it for health reasons. But it's so many different things that they demonized when we did it. Now they're bringing it back full circle. The same way when they had alcohol, when they didn't know how to tax it, they made it, they outlawed it. Then the minute they learned how they could control it and got rid of Al Capone, then here they come full circle taxing alcohol when alcohol is far more dangerous to your body than marijuana because marijuana only deals with your neurological system. Alcohol hits all of your systems. And so at the end of the day, what am I saying? We have to start thinking outside the box and stop letting sometimes a black church be caught up in certain, like they were about to shoot Jamal when he said he wanted to do the, the marijuana piece, but it's opportunity for our people to make money and to make it legally. So why would you block that when it's legal? You understand? I, I, that's, that's all I'm saying. And they're using it mostly for medical reasons. And so my thing is a lot of times we miss out because we always follow what society says and we be caught behind the eight ball because we don't know how to break outside the box to create to 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 create ways to curate wealth for us. You mm-hmm. understand? Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't understand why we just. Well, I mean, you know, um, I've had family members who had to uh, depend on um, opioids. Um, you know, um, hydrocodone, for example. I uh, when I had surgery once, I had to, on the hydrocodone. Man, I thought I was flying across Man, the sky. I was like, oh, I'm not crazy. taking this anymore. So yeah. when I had surgery again, yeah, they said, you want some hydrocodone? I said, no. Now, if you want to give me weed to manage the pain, yes. it's not addictive in the same way. So it's just intellectually, it doesn't make sense for people to be willing to take all these uh, opioids to manage pain when it's, when it's safer and legal to use weed to manage pain. Exactly. Just doesn't make any sense. They just want to make money off of it and they make sure, anyway, go ahead. Just say no. Well, my thing is We was on drugs. Well, Oh, it's a problem with this. I don't mean it recreationally because I I mean just in terms of medical dispensaries and things like that. There's an opportunity to to get out ahead of the market if that's what somebody feels empowered to do. But we can go, we don't even have to go to the weed. We can go to the weave. (laughs) <laughs> and own your own weave shop, yes. right? And own your own nail shop and own your own, you know, um, pedicures and manicures. You know, there you can make that a lucrative business. Um, you know, and uh, a barbershop that I go to, um, they're doing a great job. And I said to the guy, I said, listen, the only thing I want to encourage you is to make sure you follow the rules. And I like straight edges and things like that. Make sure you use it one time and throw it away. You know, because I've been a couple of times I go and these guys try to reuse stuff, try to beat the system. You're going to make somebody sick. So what we have to do is make sure we follow the rules and they're going to shut it down when they find out they're using contaminated um, 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 razors. So what we have to do is just train the people to just just do it the right way. And for for, you know, for longevity's sake, for impact's sake, for the sake of our community and for personal success. Just do it the right way. Thank you, man, because yeah. I don't believe a lot of barbers in Newport News clean their clippers. So I'm just so glad you well, said Well, when that. I sit there, the first thing I say, hey, bro, uh, I don't mean any harm, but you you know, you clean them clippers, you got um, you got a straight edge. Is that new? I want to see you break it out. I'm so sorry, because I'm from down in Georgia, and I've been to those barbershops in Atlanta, 
and they they reused those. I caught one guy getting ready. I said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" And he said, "Oh, you you want a new one?" I said, "You should always use a new one, dude." I was in Florida once. The same thing happened. I can always catch it, you know. So I always ask people, "Listen, don't do that." You know, I get infected. You get your shop shut down. Even if I survive and don't get sick, your shop gets shut down because somebody's watching. And I told a guy once, I said, he has a barbershop in a Walmart. I said, and, and he does a great job. I said, just know people are watching because this is not normal to be using a straight edge on people's head. This is not what white people do. Right. So when people see you doing that, they're going to be like, huh, I wonder if that a new razor you put on the whole time. Yeah. And then if they stand at a distance and see you use that same razor twice, guess what? They could be recording that on their cell phone and they're going to turn you into the health department. Save yourself, man. Just, it's two dollars yeah. for how many? Yeah. Just go ahead and change them every time, yeah. so you never. And true enough, health department came in one day because somebody had been seeing them over there doing strange things, and they evaluated the whole situation, asking how you know how, how often do you use these? Here's the dispensary. Every time I put it in here, see, so open this up. They looked and saw. He said, "I said, see, man, I told you, yeah, I told you." <laughs> and yeah. so, so um, he's a great guy. He's doing it the right way. But some people don't do it the right way. Yeah. We can't just do good things. We have to do good things the right way. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man, do good things the right way. <laughs> it's time for us to go eat. So we're gonna tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate, yeah, appreciate it. it, man. Hey everybody, how you doing? This book is a book I believe everyone should buy. Not just because I wrote it, but because this book was birthed out of pain. And you learn so much during those painful moments. This is called Leadership Growth, The Power and the Pain. You can't have the power unless you've been through the pain. Bishop Morton wrote the foreword. It's been endorsed as well by our former governor, uh, Terry McAuliffe, and by our Newport News Sheriff, Sheriff Gabriel Morgan, I promise you this book will bless you. Please get it, not just for me, but to bless you. Go to willamaxwell.org or click on the links below and I promise you this book will bless you. If you don't just buy it for yourself, buy it for someone else. It's a short read, but it's a powerful read. I've been getting testimonies all across the country and I promise you it will bless your life.